Hello and welcome to the We Might Be Biased podcast. This is episode five, in which the Wolverines have doled out, as Sam Webb put, a little dose of act right <laughs> to Michigan State. Perfect. It was perfect. So we're going to be talking all about Michigan State. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about recapping sort of some of the Big Ten and some of the players and plays that we've seen so far this season and uh, get ourselves ready for uh, getting into the, the next week's, uh, well, not this Saturday, but the following Saturday's uh, tilt against Penn State. Uh, I am with Scott and David. Hello, gentlemen. Good evening and go blue. Hello. So I had... I think what the, the best ramen noodles that I've ever had here in Austin, Texas, oh. which is where I'm broadcasting from here tonight. Do you guys you guys mess with ramen noodles? I'm a ramen, ramen fan. I'm a ramen fan, David. Uh, no. Now, David, David oh. would strike not, me as the, the uh, David. Have you watched uh, Jean Claude Van Johnson on Amazon at all? <laughs> I have not. Well, you'll never get this reference. <laughs> never mind. But yeah, this is David, David strikes me as the, uh, the dry ramen bar uh, patron, you know, as opposed to, uh, you know, the, the ramen thing's been so overdone that he, he's gone full hipster and gone to the dry ramen bar. I'm not full against hipster. ramen. I yeah, not yes, coming. I like it. Uh, so I am filled up on Japanese noodles and, uh, and ready to talk here about uh, Michigan State. It was a pretty good Saturday. It was the honorary trifecta, right? Uh, no. Notre Dame didn't win. Correct. That importantly, did not win. Michigan State got uh, got it handed to them pretty severely, and uh, and Ohio State got got it handed to them even uh, even more so. And uh, it's all it is it is a significant beatdown when when your national championship winning coach and one loss on a one loss season uh, starts getting getting calls for him getting fired and changes to be made. <laughs> That was yeah. that is an embarrassing loss, uh, and that's yeah. The dude, the dude's lost seven games in his tenure there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I heard questioning of his mental faculties, and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, the the reassuring thing, David, is you know he won't remember it today, at least. So yeah, I mean, yeah, there you go. You know, he's rapidly got that going for him. deleting all all of all all reference to that game off of his <laughs> cell phone as we speak, or at least or at least asking someone how to do it. Uh, and if we want to go, if we want to go for the uh, you know the Powerball modifier on the trifecta there, Master Slippery Rock one, slippery rock, slippery so rock. it was uh, you know it was it was a a four for four. There you go. And so uh, so the Big Ten uh, East race is absolutely uh, locked down now, right between uh, Ohio State and Michigan, and uh, the winner of that game is going to go to the Big Ten championship game, barring something very unusual happening. Uh, uh, yes. Right. Right. Uh, so, I mean, I suppose Ohio State could lose again uh, and uh, and make that game meaningless. But I would actually wager that happening more so than Michigan dropping two from here on out. Uh, so it will be uh, it will be a race to the finish here. So, Scott, what were your thoughts there uh, from Saturday? Um, uh, you know, uh, over overjoyed <laughs> certainly um you know i i think we've been bludgeoned to death with uh, uh discussion of of the pregame incident uh so i'll keep my thoughts to it uh or thoughts on it excuse me brief um it was 110 percent premeditated um you know they've already shown photos of previous walks that they've done and they you'll find their football helmets uh conspicuously absent in all those previous 
uh, little strolls uh, down the field. Um, so 100% D'Antonio did that on purpose. He did it looking to get into a physical altercation and uh, to try to set the tone and set uh, a tone of intimidation early. And he poked the wrong bear, you know? And uh, I, I don't know if there's a better feelings ball statement for where this program is now uh, as opposed to it w- where it was five years ago than our coach uh, not only not apologizing for what happened, but uh, basically calling D'Antonio on his garbage and sticking to his guns and, and sticking behind his players. And, you know, uh, I, I think D'Antonio was looking for a reaction and he didn't get the reaction he was looking for. And then he got his ass kicked on the football field. Well, he got a $10,000 he got oh, a $10, fine. Is what I was he actually got. not aware of that. So, uh, <laughs> yes, yes. So the Big Ten, the Big Ten handed down today a $10,000 fine uh, to uh, Michigan State for their pregame uh, shenanigans there and then uh, informally reprimanded uh, D'Antonio for, I don't actually know for what, uh, for being perfect. an asshole, I guess. And, uh, and, uh, and formally reprimanded uh, Harbaugh for complaining I so about reprimand. Uh, <laughs> I, I will tell you what, if, uh, if you haven't heard Sam Webb this week, uh, him basically equating D'Antonio to R. Kelly and uh, going down the road of it wasn't me, it wasn't me, check the tape, is, has just been, you know, it's been worth its weight in gold. So that, I, that's I, been phenomenal. I will say you. on the podcast, not having those like sandwich between like minutes of commercials, uh, it gets a little <laughs> surreal. Is it a lot of them? Is it a lot it's of a them lot. <laughs> that's, how, that's how I listen. To that's how we are really going on this. <laughs> It was a lot in his voice. He's lost his yeah. voice. So he's, his voice is cracking in, in weird places. But, but I'll tell you what, he's right about one thing. And, and th- this is the absolute truth, guys. The, the cavalry ain't coming for Michigan no. State. It is over no. for them. This is going uh, to signal a turning point. And, um, you know, it's, uh, the, the timing has been four years in the making. But I think this confluence of events and, and what D'Antonio did and, and how – Michigan responded is going to uh, be an emphatic um, footnote on when the rivalry turned back to normalcy and normalcy is what we're yes. going to see forward. We were playing, uh, we were playing uh, the hashtag things longer than, than Michigan state's offensive drives. Uh, <laughs> they had 96 total yards. Uh, so the pregame walk was the absolute best, uh, the absolute best one. But I would, uh, I would argue a close second is uh, Michigan's penalty yards. Yeah, yeah, well, they they gained more, right? They gained they yeah. gained more pen, more yards on penalties than they did uh, offensively. They Correct. got, and then Lewerke comes out and says he was hurt. He was hurt and didn't practice all week. Well, if you didn't practice all week and you still played, I don't know. I don't know who you expect to feel sorry. Like that. That's on you guys, and that's on your coaching staff. If you can't get out there and play, well, then, our coaching staff keeps trade if that's even true or not. So. Yeah, I was gonna say, did you see that the offensive coordinator contradicted D'Antonio and said he practiced all week? And then, and then Lowerke was like, well, whatever they say. <laughs> Apparently, D'Antonio came out recently and said, well, he wasn't throwing downfield. So, you know. <laughs> That's what quarterbacks do. Uh, yeah, exactly. What does that mean? Was he with the punters? You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was out there with the special teams guys. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. He was working with the receivers. That's That was the play they had to pull up to gain four yards. I'll tell you, know? you what. So. I'll tell you what, the, exactly. Because they, they weren't scoring without that play. They were not scoring no. that play, and you know they, the Michigan gave him one. 
and let them let them run with it uh, and, and let them into the end zone because of, of one fluky trick play, and that was it. That's all they had. Well, and and I'll tell you what, Mastin, as we're, as we're talking about overall impressions, and Dave, I'm sorry, I'll let you go here in just a sec, but, um, you know, that game had every uh, opportunity to turn in Michigan State's favor in the way uh, that they've managed to steal games in the recent history of this rivalry, uh, basically ever since the talent disparity and the coaching disparity has been righted. Um, so, I mean, you had the weather delay, you had sloppy conditions, you had the ridiculous gift turnover that gave them a seven-yard drive or a five-yard drive, whatever it was, to score their only touchdown. Um, you know, you had the the market disparity and penalties. They had every single component they've had over the past few years to take a, take a game that they didn't deserve to win. And, and despite it all, they uh, were emphatically blown out. And uh, the, only, the only regret I have from Saturday is that it didn't fully reflect on the score, scoreboard, but that was a 45 to nothing game that was, uh, you know, wrapped in the facade of 21-7. And everybody who watched it knows it. David, what did you, what did you think of Devin Bush's uh, midfield? Mid, uh... <laughs> well, I, I, I hit, you know, what I was really heartened to see was that, really just kind of confirmation that if someone as athletic as Devin Bush can't make like what he tried, you know, what he Mark, you know, scuffing up grass and stuff like to look good <laughs> and not look silly doing it. then like, then, you know, we don't, none of us have to worry about it. <laughs> so I, I was, I was heartened by that. I was like, see, <laughs> now, now, David, what did you think about them calling the spray paint guys out? <laughs> to, to, to cover up the the mild amount of damage that was done to the turf. Golly, it, uh, I I assume that's a regular job just from just general. <laughs> you think they're call, like D'Antonio as a director? It is, uh, it is yeah. an yeah. agrarian or agricultural and technology school, so presumably that's the school of the turn out their graduates spray paint yeah. guys uh, and uh, get out in the field. So. Um, no, I, so so Scott, you were. I, I agree with you, right? In the moment, I was concerned, but I will. I will say, I had that Maryland moment again, where I looked up and looked, or not looked up, like I was at the game. I, I looked at, at at my phone and looked at the at the statistics, and Michigan was outgaining Michigan State, you know, a bazillion to one. I mean, by by four times, Michigan State wasn't doing a darn thing. On the ground, so you're right. All the hall, all the hallmarks no, it, of one of those weird Michigan State games were there. Except I kept looking at the stats, going like, "Look, like Michigan doesn't lose like the like football teams with this kind of st- statistical disparity in what they're able to do on the field don't lose this game." You know, uh, I think that was the biggest source of my frustration in game, and I know we were all talking during the game um, was that. Once we went up 7 nothing, this game had the immediate feel of if Michigan can get up two scores, even yes. if it's 10 nothing, this thing's over, you know. And so when you had the sequence of events of, you know, three straight possessions inside their 40 in the second quarter with no, no points and then coming out and just gifting them a touchdown to suddenly make it a tie game in the, in the third quarter – um, you know, I, I certainly would, would describe it as crestfallen because you sat there thinking that, you know, you were one simple play away from basically locking the football game up and, and ensuring yourself against the fluke play touchdown and, and still having a lead. And then all of a sudden, you know, a team that had gained like 12 yards on the day is, is suddenly tied. And, um, 
you know, the tide, the tide turned when, uh, when one playmaker found another playmaker. And if we really want to boil the, uh, the one-sidedness of the rivalry down over the last 10 years, you know what? Michigan State's had a better football team than Michigan for a large uh, proportion of the Rich Rod era and the Brady Hoke era. And that hasn't been the case once Harbaugh's gotten here. And we have the guys who can overcome those flukes now. And that's going to be the case going forward. Absolutely. I mean, they're, they're, look, the, the days of Michigan State anyways, I'm not saying that Michigan State is going to be um, in the cellar of the Big Ten East every single year. But I think that, that the days of them being mentioned in the same breath as Michigan, Ohio State, and to a degree Penn State, are, are completely over. I mean, look at the recruiting trails, uh, trail. Look at the look at the, the type of guys they're bringing in. Uh, look at the type of guys who are getting off a of parole for them and, and other violations. They're not getting them anymore. So, uh, So I think you're absolutely right. All right, so let's talk a little bit more closely about the offense. Uh, Scott, what did you think? Uh, because I, I had, uh, and, and I'm going to cop to it here here, you know, relatively publicly, I had an embarrassing moment uh, on, in an in-game text message thread with both of you uh, that I will admit to a little bit later. But, uh, Scott, I want to get your thoughts first. What, what did you think of, your, uh, of the offense? What, g- general I, thoughts? I think I, rem- I think I remember it. I won't spoil it. <laughs> um, but just suffice to say, we've all had those moments, Mastin. It's okay. There's more yeah. embarrassing things. There's more embarrassing things we could have stated. Um, yes. Overall, thrilled. Um, and I say that within the context of what I just said, where I think we probably could have very easily scored 35, you know. Um, but, you know, for the first Real time good. in... Yeah, I think so. I think so. Okay. I mean... I think he had DPJ on the corner out for seven where we ended up punting from like the 38. Uh, yes. So there's seven points there. Uh, so 28. Um, and I think, you know, the the missed field goal is a field goal that we should make nine times out of 10. There's three. Uh, so what's that? 31. Um, and, you know, I, I the, the other one I would have liked to have actually seen us gone for it on, I think it was fourth and five. Uh, and we ended up punting, and let's say we kick a field goal there. So, you know, call it 34 instead of 35. But, you're talking about um, the second. You're talking about the second one uh, where, where Michigan ball uh, in the mid 30s uh, on Michigan State side of the field uh, in, yes. and elects to punt, and, and it rolls into the end zone. And then Michigan State, on one of their few positive plays, gets it back, I think, uh, you know, in relatively quick fashion. Yeah, I think I think we ended up the punt ended up netting us 13 yards of field position right. or 18 yards or something silly. Um, right. So that notwithstanding, um, for the first time in a game that mattered in the Harbaugh tenure, uh, we got the ball uh, with you know eight nine minutes remaining in the football game uh, and absolutely bled the clock. And I know we didn't score, but we lined up. They knew we were going to run. We knew we were going to run, and they couldn't stop it. And um, had that been the case in 2016, we probably are already talking about a college playoff appearance, you know. Um, and so that, to me, and what Karan Higdon was able to do, and what Shea Patterson was able to do on some of the read options, and that was the other one I forgot. Mastin is he keeps it on that first third down, and that's six points right there, you know. Um, I don't know, if it's six, but, but it's. Uh... It's close. It's, I it's mean, a huge game. We'll put it that yeah. way. Um, yeah. so, Gentry, but, I believe it was Gentry who was coming around, 
who had pulled all the way across the formation. And Gentry was about to crack that defensive end that yes. didn't crash, but also didn't like zoom up field either. Uh, so, so I was going to say it wasn't like defensible. I thought it was defensible yeah, it for him to hand it off given what he saw. But like Gentry is about to crack that guy, and there was nobody between him yeah, and the end. I guess I was going to say it wasn't like a no-brainer read, and that like the defensive end came flying in, you know. Right. But like it was one of those with especially on the replay camera angle, it was like oh, you know, especially <laughs> on a third down. Are you um, talking about the well, one that was behind him? Uh, the replay yes. was. And, yes. and you, it was like a defensive end who was going to have no shot at getting Patterson. And then nobody. Yes, draft. exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought Patterson, even despite some of that hesitancy and, and despite some of the uh, maybe missed guys downfield, um, was able to move the ball, picked up a huge fourth and two on the touchdown that made it a two-score game. Um, you know, generally just was very calm out there, converted some big third downs, directed the offense. And then uh, I was really <laughs> impressed tip, with the help of some tip, tipped ball. Yes. Luck. And, and the most beautiful rule in the history of football. I've never seen the uh, out of bounds come back in and not be the first guy to touch the ball in action. And we got to see it in this game. It was wonderful. Um, so hat tip to, to Zach Gentry for, uh, for making that play. Um, but, but all in all, I thought the offense against a legitimate defense, especially in the, in the rushing uh, side of things uh, did great. I thought the offensive line gave him more than enough protection throughout the game and really mashed uh, Michigan State's front seven uh, when we were running the football. And, and Michigan State's front seven, to their credit, I mean, they, they have some legit players there. They're, they're one defensive, defensive end, number 48, made a couple of phenomenal plays in the game. Uh, but, but on the whole, I loved the balance. I loved the uh, the play calling really on everything except those few second quarter possessions uh, more in terms of what to do on fourth down. Uh, but, you know, when it really mattered in the second half on fourth and two, we didn't hesitate to go for it and pick it up and put the game away. Um, our, tight ends, so I, our tight ends really did um, have a, a little bit of a challenge with, with, the, def- with the Michigan State defensive ends. And I think that's did. something to watch for. Um, you know, Penn State's going to try to going to try to to blow them up, and Ohio State definitely is. I don't, I don't think Rutgers or Indiana have have the horses to do it. But um, um, you know, as, as the competition steps up, and as we start talking about playing Clemson in the in the playoffs, because the team can't look ahead, but I can. Uh, you know, oh that's going to be something that they're going to have to. Yeah, that's right, David. I said it. All right, so so David, Dave, Dave and Scott are having hives right now. Hives. We're we're hoping to beat bye week. <laughs> Dave, no, 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 no. This it's 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 fine. We're, we're, we Go we got this. So so David, you have a hypothetical game ball. You got to name an offensive MVP of this game. Who's your guy? Oh boy. Uh... Probably uh, Higdon slash the offensive line because yep nice. uh, I mean I, you know Patterson and the receivers and, and tight ends made made you know very big plays but I think the most consistent aspects of the offense was the line uh, and and Higdon you know running the ball because uh, this is you know I you know we were basically watching kind of you know the Wisconsin game from last year where the defense is holding them to nothing they score like a really goofy punt return Michigan's leading like 10 to seven going into the you know late third early fourth quarter and the offense just can't get it done 
but uh, but they did they did this past weekend. So I think that was kind of the biggest difference, you know, from from last year to this year. And I think that boils down to probably mainly the offensive line in that case. But I think Higdon has been, you know, just Mister Reliable so far this season. So David, Scott, you and I had a, a debate over Twitter. We were we were we were tweeting at each other. Um, you said Higdon uh, it was is Mike Hart. I think Higdon is is Chris Perry. Defend yourself. I, I think I uh, and I was just going to ask David this. So I was going to ask David, and then I will answer. I was going to ask David best running back performance in a game that mattered since blank. Um, I said Mike Hart on Twitter more from the performance against Michigan State standpoint rather than say running style, which I would agree with you. I think running style is far more Perry. Um, but if you look at Hart's, you know, four years against Michigan State, 4-0, you know, two 200-yard games, two 100-yard games, you know, two touchdowns, I think, on the ground and, and you know, every ability to call them little brother uh, based on his performances on the field. But I, I actually thought it, it was a little bit reminiscent of Hart because um, no markedly huge home run runs. I think Higdon's biggest run on the day was 38 yards. Um, That's right. But also very few, um, you know, just disasters caught behind the line of scrimmage. I mean, he kept the chains moving when he got the ball. He was picking up three, four yards and keeping us ahead of the sticks. And um, I really enjoy Joel Klatt. I like him a lot. Um, he was beating the third and long struggles to death on the broadcast, but that doesn't necessarily mean he was wrong. Uh, so when we were able to turn to Higdon and not end up in second and five, second and six, instead of second and 11 uh, and avoid third and eight, um, that was a huge difference in the football game to me. Karan Higdon, uh, I think, particularly particularly against Michigan State, because the running back performance that I remember against Michigan State was Chris Perry carrying the ball for 42, 42 times. 51. Uh, 51. 51 times, excuse me. And and that, that shot of him pushing himself up off the turf. Uh, and, and so – I thought that, that this game was uh, reminiscent of that, although obviously not not 51 carries. And so, um, but you're right. I mean, I thought he ground out some tough yards. He didn't have necessarily a big a big home run uh, hit. Uh, I will say I will voice a concern, um, not knowing the particulars around what's being coached or, or anything. I think Shea and uh, and Higdon Shea is keeping the ball in there. A long time on these read options uh, before he's either pulling it or handing it off, and it's doing a heck of a job fooling everyone. I think he fooled the cameraman twice uh, this uh, this this last game. I have some concerns because I think that when that ball is is in there and it's sort of meshed and you've got four hands trying to figure out what to do with it, I, I hope that that doesn't uh, th- that the ball handling skills are are to the point where that doesn't yield a fumble in a big spot. Uh, a little bit later in the season. Well, and I, I initially thought the uh, the second fumble we had was a result of that. And then on the replay, they showed that Higdon slipped on the turf, essentially, and kind of hit the ball with his shoulder. Right. Um, but, no, I, I, I mean, I think that's what led to the uh, the touchdown, the first touchdown against Wisconsin, where both guys kind of crossed yeah. the goal line, uh, right. holding the football almost, you know. But, um I don't know. I don't know if that's a coaching thing. I don't know if that's a style thing that Patterson and Higdon have kind of worked out and they have some understanding of, of when you let the ball go. But yeah, I mean, I think how uh, hard it, it is to is tackle two players. Huh? <laughs> that's true. It's indefensible. That's true. I think. 
that that is a risk though I think we will see um, with that and I think that's why we kind of you know I don't think you're ever going to see that be the base play let's put it that way going forward so um, my hope is that we continue to to kind of use it in situations that we're able to take advantage of it and I'll tell you what, just the fact that we've been able to put it on film, I think, is huge going forward, especially, um, you know, with with our upcoming game against Penn State and and making them have to game plan for that, um, because I think it's going to open up a lot of other stuff uh, in in this last uh, stretch of the season here. So given that it's a bye week and we've got a little bit of time to catch our breath here, is is Shea Patterson – uh, an NFL quarterback uh, at at this stage in the season, David. Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't um, honestly know if it matters at this point because, like, I mean, Cardale Jones played his way into an NFL quarterback in like three games, right? So, I mean, if he, you know, goes off against Ohio State, you know, and, and whoever in the next couple of games, then then yeah, uh, I think the way he's playing up to this point, probably. I didn't ask for a pragmatic take, Dave. <laughs> I want hot takes. The Michigan difference there. The Michigan yeah. difference. Yeah, right. Well, here's a well, thoroughly. Antonio would have just said that's out. BS. Check the tape. But I, I, I think you can see where a where like a, a high round you know draft pick is in there. But I don't think he it's been consistent enough, or he hasn't had that like one game where he's just you know, dealing the entire time sort of thing. So I, because I will come up now uh, to, to my embarrassing uh, text message where, where I, and I immediately, to my credit, I immediately corrected myself. But, but at one point I, I said, God, do you, do you put McCaffrey in for a series? Because she, like, like it was just a mess there for a little bit in the third now, quarter. And then, and then let me, go ahead. Let me remind you the timing of your text message because, uh, I believe it immediately preceded the uh, perfect strike to Donovan Peoples Jones for the, it did. the seventy it did. yard touchdown that took the lead. <laughs> it, it, it was uh, it was it was very prophetic. Let's put it that way. It was immediate, and and, and I immediately said, "No, I'm not there yet." Uh, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, so that was my embarrassing, um, you know, uh, M Live commenter uh, portion of of my in game commentary. <laughs> Uh, because of course you don't you don't pull Shea Patterson. It's it, it it's fine. And then he immediately delivered that that absolute dime to DPJ down the sidelines uh, that that he converted into the the score that that I think we all knew was going to be the the nail in the coffin there uh, for Michigan State. And boy, was that a beautiful pass! Oh, it was gorgeous. I mean, he threw threw him open, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then all ha- all credit to 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 Donovan Peoples Jones and in terms of taking what could have been a 30 or 40 yard gain and, and, and taking it to the house, you know, um, th- that was a heck of a catch and a heck of a job to avoid the tackle and, and get to the end zone. I, if Shea is going to be a high round NFL quarterback, and he probably is right now because the NFL is so quarterback crazy. And, and, you know, we're talking about um, the, the Northwestern kid being an NFL quarterback. So, I mean, he probably is, but like, he's got to pull the trigger on that, that uh, the first quarter, I believe with people's Jones running wide open in the end zone and, and Shea just didn't pull the trigger on it. And like, like yeah, he does I, that I, time. It's, and a, time it's again. A kind of a surprising you know, I mean, he's thrown to Nico Collins a couple of times in the middle of the field when he's been bracketed and, and trusted him to go up and make a play. 
Um, and he's made a couple of just phenomenal throws to people's Jones in the end zone over, over the course of the season. But uh, uh, the flip side of that coin is there's a couple of times where, and, and, and you know, uh, you know, we're not standing there talking to him. We're not in the quarterback room. I don't know if he's maybe just not seeing it. It seems to me sometimes that happens when he's rolling to one half of the field and he has a short, intermediate, and long route. Um, the the one where he missed Peoples Jones on the corner uh, ended up in him kind of doing that rollout and, and ending up going out of bounds. You know, taking a little bit of a loss. It was almost like he couldn't decide between. I think it was McCune uh, who was running the intermediate route. But like you know, if I have somebody who's got the playmaking capability of one of our wideouts and they get a step on a guy and you have the accuracy that Patterson has, put that ball up. I mean, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll take the every once in a while maybe bad throw or even, God forbid, a pick in the end zone uh, for, for the higher proportion of positive outcomes that that's going to lead to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so the, uh, the, and the other guy that, that I want to make mention of here is Eubanks. Uh, that guy only makes big plays uh, d- down the field and, uh, and he has turned himself into, uh, I think a little bit of that safety blanket. Um, when, when you need, when you need to pick up 10, 12 yards, uh, you know, he, he's, uh, he's turned himself into a nice target. I, I'm really excited, uh, for, for the tight ends in general here moving forward. De- yeah, definitely. And it always, it seems to be kind of the same route every time almost. Right. He right. finds that pocket in his own and like 15, 20 yards downfield. And just, all right, that's your one, so one for the game. And we'll just put it, you know. <laughs> hey, I'll oh, take yeah. it. Now, I, and I, the last thing I want to make mention of here, because we always moan and groan and, and say, why, why can't good things happen to Michigan? Because we're Michigan fans and that's <laughs> what we do. There were two very good things, and we touched on it earlier, that happened to Michigan this game, both of which were, led to big third-down conversions, and both of which were weird tipped balls. One, Nico Collins came back on a route and uh, and snatched a, a ball that was uh, dangerously tipped up into the air for the first down, and then the other one was that, that crazy out-of-bounds play where apparently if the ball is tipped, you can do anything on the football field. Uh, you know, <laughs> out of bound. Yeah. You, you can. You well, there's can no, there's no passing on a tip ball either. There are no so rules. Can, yeah, no, <laughs> there are no rules. It becomes the wild, wild west as soon as that ball is tipped. Uh, and thank God it does, because that that I think is is probably the best rule in college football right now. <laughs> well, and, and Masson, I'll even add a third to that to that play, and it wasn't necessarily a lucky tip. But uh, if Grant Perry doesn't break up that interception in the third quarter right after Michigan State scored, how different a football game are we looking at? You know, um, they would have had the ball. I was actually going to cover that on the defensive side of that oh, one. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I had forgotten, though, that that was an offense. That was actually an offensive player who raked that ball out. <laughs> it was, perhaps, it was the, perhaps the best pass defended on the day. <laughs> so. Yes. Well, given that Lewerke was sailing them, you know, five, ten yards from the desired target, yes, it was the best ball defense all day. 
Uh, and you're absolutely right. That That is a massively different football game. Uh, if that interception is thrown there, especially given the, the point, the context of the game uh, where, where momentum was, was sort of back with, with Michigan state. And so far as it could be on a day in which they gained 96 yards in the, or, uh, of, of total offense. Um, and so, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. That was, that was the, the sneaky play of the game. Yes. Dave, what do you think about the bounces? Uh, I mean, uh, I, you know, obviously it's good to see some, some of those not get, uh, you know, punished, but, uh, I would, I would say, you know, it's, it's, you know, you know, luck is something, I don't know. Cause you know, Grant Perry's in position to make that play. Nico Collins is hustling back to make that catch, you know, Gentry kind of, that's probably lucky because he was barely put a foot back down in bounds in time to catch that ball, but, uh, still a heads up play by him. So it, that, that kind of, those are, are plays that example to me, the kind of you make your own luck kind of thing where, you know, it didn't carry him, you know, 10 yards diagonally backwards into a guy that didn't even know what was happening sort of thing. But, uh, but no, definitely, you know, being able to make those plays was, was definitely very nice for a change. So. Well, and, and to say we were a do in this particular rivalry is, is gross understatement, obviously given, Given last year and given 2015, you know, I mean, it, uh, we, we are owed a bounce or two, and um, they, they were big plays. They kept drives alive, um, but I think the outcome of the game is the same in terms of Michigan winning, even if we don't necessarily convert those those third downs. Was it just me, or was did it start raining every single time Michigan had the ball? It would start like <laughs> raining and hailing. Yeah. And, and frogs were falling, locusts were swarming when Michigan had the ball. And then as soon as they punted, it seemed like it dried up <laughs> and, and Michigan State had, had, had clear weather. It was just one of those like, well, of course, of course it's, it's right. feeling now. Uh, <laughs> so I, I don't know what it is with weather in these games. At one point there was, I think, a hot dog wrapper blowing around on the field. Um, which uh, which brought back some some poor memory. It was a diploma, Master. It was a diploma. <laughs> Excuse me. Yes, there was a Michigan State diploma blowing around on the field, and um, yes, it was it was uh, it was a little bit terrifying there to watch the weather vacillate. Um, and we didn't even talk about the weather delay, uh, which somehow Fox managed managed to sneak in a bazillion more commercials um, uh, during that, but. Uh, the weather delay—it was just a weird game, uh, and and you know I think I think that underscores a little bit uh, just how good Michigan was because they took all the weirdness that came at them and and still managed to, to put a beat down uh, on Sparty, which is a lot of fun. It, it was torturous um, to watch in, in in real time. But <laughs> looking yes. back, you're like, oh, they didn't cover a third down. What was I worried about? But and that delay yeah. happened. I was like, oh. the first quarter and fourth quarter were fine. <laughs> The second and third were brutal. <laughs> you texted. You texted uh, after the game. Well, that was an odyssey. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and I, I was alone with uh, with my son, and I had I, you know, there was a point where I was like, I have to change the channel and start following on Twitter, otherwise my composure is not going to hold. And my and my two and a half year old is going to see a very poor example of how uh, how you watch sports. So <laughs> it well, is. Uh, if, if it makes any difference, uh, I refuse to uh, to pass my son over to my wife uh, because once I started holding him, we took the lead, and so he needed to he needed to stay right there, and he could wait to do whatever it was he needed to do until the football game was over. So, 
you know, go blue, buddy. Good job. It, it was a marathon. So defensively, um, you know, everybody showed up. I mean, you know, I'm sort of running out of superlatives to, to, to hurl at the defense. Um, you know, Rashawn Gary doesn't travel and uh, Michigan does not seem to lose a beat uh, without him. The pass rush was there. Um, I was uh, very, very uh, holding my breath uh, on, on a lot of those passing plays that I thought earlier in the season would have been flagged for interference or, or holding or something. And the flag stayed in the pocket, mostly because I thought Lewerke was zipping the ball or floating the ball You've or ducking the ball. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so a lot of those weren't catchable, but the, the DBs were absolutely in the hip pockets uh, of these receivers all day long. And, um, and, and, and the pass rush was, was great. Uh, LJ Scott didn't do anything really on the ground. So, I, I mean, I don't really know what to say, uh, you know, specifically about the defense, um, you know, other than, uh, you know, well done and, and let's, <laughs> let's get going. Scott, did you have any particular thoughts uh, on the defense? Um, I, I think Lewerke's accuracy notwithstanding, I thought the coverage in the secondary was phenomenal uh, across the board. I mean, uh, the, the one thing that Fox did that's been kind of interesting this year is they show that QB left, QB right view on replays uh, to give you an idea of what he's looking at, if guys are open or not. And there was never anybody open, never, you know. And uh, so the coverage was phenomenal. I mean, Lewerke's accuracy was off enough that, you know, we, we probably could have even gotten away with a guy being open occasionally. But, he was hurt. Um, well, all, all he was hurt. You're right. Excuse me. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I was, we basically, uh, why bother even showing up? We barely won, right? You know? Um, so it, it was, I, I think the secondary did a, a, an outstanding job. I continue to be um, blown away by what Uche has been able to do. Um, to come in to Gary's spot and to, you know, I mean, two sacks this game. I don't know how many hurries held up in the run game. Um, our defensive line, I mean, you know, just hats off to Greg Madison. We've known he's phenomenal, but to look at the depth that this team has, I mean, uh, we just held a, a rival to, I think, 94 total yards and, and a, a laughable, I think, 15 yards rushing without perhaps the best player on our team, let alone our defense, you know, um, I, I, what do you say? You know, I mean, the, the defense is, is incredible and uh, I'll give you a little bit of foreshadowing, but I was, I was listening to uh, WTKA today uh, and they were making the point that every time they've talked to Don Brown since the Penn state game last year, uh, he talks about, he wakes up every single day thinking of that game. So uh, if you don't think our defense is going to be ready for, for James Franklin, uh, I, I think we will be. Uche has been a revelation this year, um, you know, and, and and I don't know. And the, the guys at Imgo Blog were talking about this as well. I, I don't know what happens if you if you add on another twenty or thirty pounds and make him a true defensive end, um, you know, and whether he can still maintain that that sort of speed rush. But uh, you know, him coming in at that sort of rush end hybrid linebacker defensive end position. Um, and, and raking havoc the way he does. I mean, he sees, he sees 12 or 15 snaps a game and like six or seven of those are either sacks or like immense play altering pressures. Uh, and, and I think you're right. I mean, I think that that's Don Brown and I think that that's Greg Madison 
um, you know, dialing things up to get him free and get him loose because, boy, that guy can track down a quarterback. Yeah, his his uh, kind of speed and, and and combining that with the level of power that you see him get around some of these left tackles is is impressive. Let's say I did. Uh, oh yeah, overall the defense. I mean, it's to quote Spencer Hall from the Ohio State Purdue game. It, it was a beclowning uh, of Michigan State's offense. I mean, the, yes. the defense <laughs> was on the field for less than twenty minutes. I mean, it was just like a they didn't even there wasn't a sustained drive. There was not a there was nothing. So you know. They, and so I know we're, we're all still somewhat high and celebratory off the game. And so, so this is a minor nitpick, but it's one – actually, I think we disagreed with a little bit. On Michigan State's last dignity drive, right, uh, we let them come down the field making stupid penalties. And I watched them again. I watched and rewatched the, the game again, and I, and I thought the exact same thing. I didn't think any of those flags were super-duper illegitimate. Um, and we got to keep our heads about us. I mean, I, I know that we were, we were kicking their ass, uh, and, and, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't likely to change the outcome of the game, Mastin, but if you I would have liked to see those penalties cleaned up. Yard line, you're not right in front of Mark D'Antonio's face. Okay. You had to get him towards the 50 so that when you threw down the quarterback and you stared at the sideline, <laughs> he was right there. So that, I think that was a critical strategic move. That's true. On the part of the because they knew they weren't Michigan State wasn't going to do that <laughs> themselves, so they had to help them no. to midfield so that they <laughs> no, could get two true. sacks in a row and you know, you know, stun on them a bit. So that <laughs> <laughs> okay. So so so, so so I will cop to this, Master, and I rewatched it as well. Uh, the Michael Dwum four one was really bad. That was bad. That's the kind of one where you're just like, oh, dude, you know, like just. He's already two steps out of bounds. Don't touch him. Right. Um, the 12 men on the field, that's dumb. I will give you that. I uh, In a game where the coverage was really tight, of course, Ambry Thomas gets flagged for one. And that's fine. And was that a brutal – was that a brutal – I mean, that's totally a pass interference you just take. I mean, that's well, the that style of coverage. I wasn't mad about that one. That one, in the context no, okay. of the drive, okay. it, was, it was a little bit annoying. But like, gotcha. Because it was, it was annoying because yes, I think it was the fourth out of four plays or something, mm-hmm. you know. But we hit the quarterback late and sort of dove low on him, and that's going to get called. Yeah. We hit the guy out of no. bounds, way out of bounds. That's going to get called. The 12 men on the field, like, is just like, I, know, I just thought it was just kind of dumb. I would have liked to see the, it. Uh, the late hit one. So my only question on the late hitter, the diving low, I thought he hit him in the thigh. Is the rule not below the knee? Like, I, I don't I don't know the letter of the law on this one. I thought that one was probably ticky-tack, um, and it seemed like it was just protecting someone at the very end of the fight for no reason. I mean, you know. what what was done was done at that point but i perhaps i just don't understand the rule as as well as i should put it this way if if that hit occurs in the nfl against somebody like tom brady um you know they're going to cancel the rest i'm not sure that's the uh, (laughs) the bar we should be uh... (laughs) my point is is that i think that one's going to get flagged if it's gotcha gotcha Uh, no i think that's fair i think that's fair i mean um (laughs) You know the disparity in penalties was unbelievable. I mean, the, the the I'm fine with the referees trying to stake a claim in the game and calling offsetting fouls early on. I think that was actually pretty smart. Um, I had a huge problem with them flagging us for uh, 
you know, Michigan State tries their usual after the play. They're trying to break Caesar Ruiz's leg. Oh, come on. Uh, and and Onwenu comes in to defend him, and they called a personal foul on us. They called a personal foul on Bush when he simply tackled the guy and walked over to the sideline. They called one on Karan Higdon for standing up. You know, I mean, it was, uh, it's, uh, those were frustrating. I think that probably clouded my judgment on the last drive a little bit because there were several that got called one way where it was like, you've got to be kidding me. You know I mean? Here's a question. Uh, Like if there are offsetting penalties and one of them is worth five yards and the other one is worth 15 yards, why don't they move the ball 10 yards? Like it would seem that that simple math would dictate. I think, I think what you're asking for a degree of complexity that may be beyond, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, it's very. That just—it always silly. bothered yeah. me whether whether it's in Michigan's. It's just yeah, it's just so silly to me that it's just like well we're just going to replay that. Uh, yeah, ta- targeting player ejected. illegal formation. Tight end right. not quite on the line of scrimmage. We're going to re- we're going to replay the down. <laughs> That's right. Five men in the backfield. <laughs> Those you should call feel on ashamed play, of yourself. You know. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, that's not going to change anytime soon. But it's one of those oddities of football where I'm just like, mm, can we not do simple math? Uh, now I will say, I, I will say, my, um, my 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 sleeper defensive player of the year, uh, Josh Metellus, might have gotten away with a little bit of a late hit early in the game um, that I was thrilled to not see a flag, and I think it set a defensive tone. Uh, and I have no problem with what he did, but I, it had one of those. You know, you kind of have an internal shot clock in terms of like, oh, that passes over that guy's head. Oh, oh, you know, and uh, there was maybe one extra step there. I mean, it certainly wasn't a targeting or anything like that. But given what Michigan State has done on the field in the last, you know, decade of this rivalry, totally fine with it. I thought it set the tone and uh, was a heck of a lick. That was the one where Metellus sort of looked (laughs) for the flag, didn't see one and then skipped back to the huddle. Yes, yes, I think so. I think he was like, "Oh, okay." Yep. <laughs> yep. There was there was absolutely a beat where where Josh Mattelis looked for the flag and expected to see one, and then didn't see it, and then commenced celebrating. <laughs> I applaud his wherewithal. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was good. Good field awareness. Um, special teams. There, there were there were. Two, there were a couple different special teams things I, I wanted to call out. The first being that the catch of the day, maybe the catch of the year uh, for Michigan State, uh, belongs to their backup punter who one-handed OBJ'd that snap, rolled that, out, and that then was boomed exactly the 60-yarder down the field. Uh, yeah. Because, of course, he did. Um, and right. It's one of those things where in the moment I was like, oh, of course. And, and now I'm just like, I'm not even mad. I'm, I'm impressed. Like, <laughs> good Good play, I guess. Um, but that was wild. That was that was one of those plays that in the uh, in the flow of the game, I, I think it was still either a tie game at that point or a, it, it might have been fourteen seven. I'm trying to remember, but it was like, uh, you know, if he doesn't make that catch, it's either going in the end zone or we're gonna get the ball in like the five, right. you know. And then and then of course he hits a sixty yard punt on top of it. It's just like, and it was raining. You know, like it, it was just one of those. I completely forgot about that when we were talking about all the breaks that Michigan State usually gets. You know, um, it was a heck of a play by the punter in a vacuum. I mean, you know, what a phenomenal grab by the guy. But man, was I pissed <laughs> off when it happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
that uh, it was uh, it was definitely wild. And so Michigan State was rolling that their punter out, and he was absolutely cranking these punts. Um, and and so I, I don't know. Uh, if that's something tactical uh, that, that Michigan might be, he clean up, or whether that's going to be something like three of them, right? They went. They, they ended up going far, but the fact that they didn't play Plinko with well, I think everyone, I, you know, ten yards in front of him was was pretty lucky. Uh, yeah, I do think that, and and you guys feel free to to disagree with me here. I I think we took a tact in the punting game in this game, given how our defense was playing that we were not going to give them any cheap drive extending penalties by coming after a punt. Um, and so I think we kind of set up along the line, but we weren't going to overly rush the guy. Um, and, you know, given his performance on the season so far, I think that probably was the, was the right call. So I have a, um, a, a, a tenant of, of football. I am increasingly of the opinion that you don't, don't even try real hard to block the punt. Uh, tr- try enough to, to keep the other team honest. And if they're doing something really stupid with their formations, maybe come after one. But, man, the, it is a turnover. If you rough that kicker and, and they get the ball back, that's a turnover. And, th- and that's such a momentum-swinging thing, um, you know, to, you know and, and thing that can happen in a football game. I would just as soon take I- the punt. Let you know, field, yeah. give your offense a chance because uh, what are you going to block it? Like, how many of these are you actually going to block versus opening yourself up for risk of that? Well, that we've, turnover, uh, well, we've, essentially, we've in roughing a fair number in the last David, couple years. Now, I can, I can, I think so. The last, the one I can remember that I think maybe caused your feeling of this was the 2015 Ohio State game. Uh, and I, and, and, and at a certain That's point, right. I agree, that but also. Right. <laughs> the fact that we haven't really, I can't, you know, oh, maybe I'm man. forgetting one or two, but I can't really think of a roughing the kicker in between. We seem to, like our the special well, teams coaches really, seem to really have it down to the angles they're supposed to take. The and they seem to have a good enough success that, I, that I'm that i okay with them kind of going for it. Uh, but but I, I do agree that there are certain times in a game, you know, flow and stuff where you're just like, just getting the ball back is is, is the critical thing here. Like that Ohio State game where they're punting from their end zone, like we don't, not, you know, we're already going to get the ball back in great field position. We do not need to, you know, to be going for it there. Right. Yep. And those are, I, I, I would agree. I, I think those are the ones to me. I mean, I, I think in the days of uh, pre-spread punt um, that, you know, there was maybe some argument of if you could make the team have to go into like a punt safe formation. Yes. Uh, and, and not be able to, uh, you know, get a whole lot of coverage downfield. There was some benefit to doing it. But in the days of the spread punt now, you know, we're, we're not – it's not like you're sucking those gunners in anymore. And so, uh, you know, if, if there's some – exactly like you said, Master, I mean, if we notice that there is something the team is doing that looks like we might be able to get an extra guy through or an unblocked guy through – uh, outstanding. Fine. I'm, I'm okay with going for it as long as the game situation makes sense. Exactly like Dave said, they're punting out of their own end zone. Uh, the harm of coming after it, missing it, and roughing the punter and giving them a first down that puts them at their 20 all of a sudden uh, isn't worth giving up great field position for, in my opinion. Um, so I, I agree. I, w- I would much rather see us err on the side of, you know, you send three guys at the shield. If a guy gets through, fine. 
but otherwise, I mean, we have an electric punt returner. Let's give him an opportunity to actually return the punt. The other special teams item, and, and I have no insight into this other than needs to get right, is uh, Nordine, I thought, had his second consecutive somewhat shaky outing. And I know hashtag college kickers uh, are, are weird. Um, but, but boy, I hope he gets right sooner rather than later. I guess Harbaugh mentioned he kicked one extra point that was laying sideways on the turf, um, and, and got it through. So, so maybe there was some extenuating circumstances there. Um, it was, yes, it was a bad snap. Uh, but man, uh, we're going to need, we're going to need him to kick some field goals, uh, here if we're going to, uh, beat Clemson. I'm I'm going to give him like a one more week, I think. I did hear. Uh, no, no, like, like before being. Oh, there's you know, no option. I'm not saying like, like that's super that, concerned. I guess because the weather was so kind of bonkers, and they, how many more you know natural mm-hmm. field turfs are we even going to play on? Sort of thing that I, if he struggles again against like Penn State, then I then I am right. well, you know, officially concerned. So I, I, I guess I'm going to uh, slightly disagree in that I'm already concerned. Um, you know, the reports from the pregame was that he was hitting like 50% in pregame, and I guarantee you that probably played into our decision-making in that second quarter because um, I would like to think, given all other things being equal, the ball on the 35 and fourth down, we're probably kicking a field goal that early in the game because mm-hmm. uh, Lord knows he has the leg to get it there. But he, he has struggled enough with the shorter stuff. Like I I'll forgive the 54 yard misses. I mean, good heavens that that's, you know, not unexpected, but I mean that the, the field goal he missed was not a bad hole. He didn't slip and it was just a total duck. Um, and, and I like Nordine. I'm not sitting here trying to rip on the guy, but I, I am a little bit concerned that, uh, you know, I think we talked about it last podcast and, and, you know, the golf analogy, is he trying to hit these too hard or is it just, not making good contact with the ball. I mean, I, you know, I'm not a kicker. I'm not going to pretend to have any insight into the, the finer points of, of kicking field goals, but um, you know, these guys are good enough now that 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 should be near automatic. And uh, we, we haven't seen that level of consistency out of him yet. And it's a little bit worrisome because I, I would like to think that our offense has been consistent enough that, you know, we could get into position where a field goal might tie or win us a football game. And um, I, I would prefer it not to be a coin flip proposition. So you don't just walk into West Lafayette at night and expect <laughs> to come out with a You w. maybe expect to be competitive. <laughs> Their stadium does strobe lights. That might be an expectation. <laughs> I, for whatever reason, Ohio State really Aren't struggles they the only at big Purdue. Team they have a losing record it's against like the last like seven weird. games away or something like that. It's something I saw. I believe so. I believe that is correct. Yeah. But we were all there. Well, no, Scott, you were there. I know you were there in person in West Lafayette in what two thousand three, oh four, or something, where you're making plans oh, to rush the field. Oh, so no. Okay. So a quick, funny aside story, a little bit of an inside story. And if Nolan Barr is listening to this, hi, Nolan. Uh, no, this was 2002. I, uh, I was visiting Nolan and it was the Holy Buckeye game. So it was not a Michigan game. It was Purdue, Ohio State, Craig Krenzel, Michael Jenkins. Yep. Um, we are two rows behind the Ohio State bench. I am head to toe Michigan gear. Michigan is going to play them the next week. So second to last game of the year. 
Um, it's fourth and I forget the distance. I think it was 10. Purdue's leaning. If they get a stop on this fourth down, the game is over. And uh, my buddy Nolan turns to me and says, okay, when we rush the field, let's meet over there because, you know, I uh, did not attend Purdue. So I had no idea where I was going. And so he was looking out for me and he said, hey, we're going to meet over there. And that way, you know, we can all get back to my place after the game. And no sooner had he said that than Krenzel hit Jenkins on fourth and 10 or fourth and 15, whatever it was for the uh, game winning touchdown. And uh, so, yes, yes, I, I, I was present for that game. That is it was, a uh, deeply held belief amongst, amongst the three of us that you do not make plans to rush the field until the game is, is well and over. <laughs> I feel you that's like sacrosanct, right? Like that's like you don't mention a no hitter. Right? You just don't bring it up, right? right? So um, it has to, yeah, it has to be very natural. And uh, you know, and, and poor Nolan made the same mistake in '04, Henny and Hart's freshman year, when we were there, and he turned to me with ten minutes to go, and he said, uh, "You know, a defensive play is going to win this football game." And I'll be darned if Ernest Shazer didn't absolutely destroy Dorian Bryant on what would have been the game-winning touchdown drive. Uh, that led to the fumble that we recovered and ran the clock out and walked out of there with a win. In front of us, yes. Was that the game, game where the started. two Purdue fans got in a fight behind you and Dad? For real. <laughs> <laughs> what more do you need to know about Purdue, really? <laughs> Man, I'll tell you what. By, by the fourth quarter of that game, like like Chase Winovich after Nebraska after the Nebraska game said, like he didn't really feel like Nebraska wanted to wanted to play anymore. Ohio State didn't want yeah. to play anymore. Like, like they were done. <laughs> they, that uh, I was uh, so so. All joking aside, I was stunned. I, I think I foresaw that this might be a difficult game for Ohio State. Um, stylistically Eastern speaking, Michigan, and, and seeing what they're Eastern Michigan beat Purdue earlier this year. True. I mean, how did no true that this was going to be a difficult game. So so I think that Purdue's style of offense. Um, really hits at what has become a weakness on the Ohio State defense this year, which is their linebackers are atrocious. And um, they no longer have Bosa to generate any kind of rush up front. And so they are very vulnerable to a team who can exploit the weaknesses of the front seven. And as silly as it sounds, Purdue's kind of built to do that. You know, in terms yeah, of well, the, I mean, Rondell Moore they, is built to do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. Did you I, know I, he squats like nine million? I, 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 I heard that, that, that he doesn't even he uses elephants. Three, 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 Live three, elephant. Three. Yes. I I I would have. Yeah. Well, not only not only that, but seventy three passing attempts. Right. <laughs> yeah, he broke records. You know. You know, Hampton yes. broke records uh, for, for passing, and and they still lost the game. Um, just. Uh, just a complete shock to me that, uh, that that game ended up how it how it did. But um, boy, is that funny! Like I said, any time that you get beat down by a team dubbed at least that inferior, so as to, so as to to have fairly uh, fairly smart people for <laughs> Ohio State people questioning the mental mental faculties of your head coach, that's not a yeah. good it's not a good Saturday uh, <laughs> for you. So uh, I I was. I was just laughing by the fourth quarter because uh, that was a that was a beatdown um, and, and that no one saw coming. So, uh, anyways, I, I just uh, I, I am shocked and and I think so. Urban Meyer canceled all of their recruiting trips this this week so that they could go back and retool some things. 
Um, and if you're retooling at this point, um, you have some serious trouble. Uh, so, uh, anyways, uh, David, did you were you able to? Uh, I, I watched uh, to, good, to watch that game you know, in, in its totality, it. or did you just catch and, the final uh, it, score? It was glorious to watch, but I also just I'm so ready for that. Just to just I'm just ready for them to lay an egg in the game that matters. Like I. I don't care who's on the field. I don't care if it's their best players. I want them to just fall yes. flat on their faces, and I want to run over them. And I just, I need that. I see the blueprint. I don't, you know, we, not that we're going to do it the same way, but, you know, Purdue's defense isn't Michigan's defense. So, you know, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they got six points in the third, by the third quarter. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, I'm a little bit tired of, of the only victories the, the being against Ohio good, State though, being shot in Freud victories. <laughs> uh, uh, but it <laughs> pretty good. Uh, pretty good. And so you want um, uh, Jeff Brom to get hired yes, by someone else so that this five-star kid uh, defensive end I'm comes to Michigan, right? <laughs> Now, but if you're Brom, and I, I mentioned this before, like if you're Brom, why on earth would you go to Louisville of all of all teams? Like, like I mean, if everyone's saying that that's the destination, I get he's a Kentucky guy and and sort of built his uh, his reputation uh, at Western Western Kentucky, I believe. And uh, but like you know, if you're that hot of a commodity, been, man, West Lafayette, it seems to me you can do better than Louisville. We don't have to think. We don't have to think too hard about it. <laughs> Rob could be a man who enjoys the ponies. I, you know, I, you know. Purdue, I, I die. That's fine. Yeah, probably. I would argue Purdue is a better job than Louisville. I think. I'd, I, yeah. I. Well, okay. So, uh, snap reaction, yes. But if you look at ability to compete at a conference level and to get to big bowl games, uh. Louisville's situation right now is trash, absolutely. But is Purdue's recruiting situation ever going to get any better than where it is right now? But look at the Big Ten West. I mean, the, the, who scares you? Well, nobody. <laughs> nobody. But but it's but the problem is I was going to say. But the problem is you, you know Purdue, Purdue might not be scared of Wisconsin. Of the but, Big Ten. Uh, they should be. Hang on. Just, <laughs> you know, I let's, let's look at the success that Purdue's had in that century plus of time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Conference titles. A Bob 12. Greasy. Drew Brees. Drew Brees. So that's, that's, that's it. Not many. <laughs> that's, okay. 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 Iowa. Oh, wait. Hold on, though. To be interesting, how many does Iowa have? This is a very, very Mastin, before he tells us, over, under. My guess is that Iowa has 28 okay, hang on. title, Big Ten title. I, I'm going to bet we're talking strictly Big Ten titles? Okay. Big Ten, they're at 11. <laughs> so. Yes, strictly Big Ten. Oh, wow. 11. Less, less than 13. And the WIUFA conferences are. 
Missouri Valley. Oh boy. Okay. I think those were agricultural conferences. Yeah, we're not kidding. Okay, so, so, but no, I do. I think it's a better job. Yes, I mean you're in a bigger conference. You've got a, uh, a, a probably a more established overall program than Louisville does. Louisville's a basketball school. Actually, Louisville's just a cheating school that happens to have a basketball program. Um, but um, I here here I think, and this is what we talked about a little bit this er, earlier this week. It, what I think uh, his quandary is is his stock is going to be very high despite a win-loss record that's not like – it's not like Scott Frost just took UCF to an undefeated season, yeah. right? Um, if we look two, three years in the future, is he turning Purdue into a 10-11 win team? No way. No, with all due respect to my family members who are Purdue fans and everybody else out there, that's – no, that is not happening. I think um, – could he turn so is Purdue – could he per, turn Purdue into the third fiddle, so to speak, of the Big Ten West? Like and by that I mean like go like could he somewhat regularly go to Indianapolis or God knows where Delaney's going to put the Big Ten championship game by the time this actually happens and 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 you know be that that the the Penn State of the West to to the Iowa and the Wisconsin's of the world. I mean, I would argue that's Northwestern right now. Um, and until he beats Pat Fitzgerald in Northwestern, I don't know if he can. Um, and I and I think the clock is going to be ticking on him because as much as I like making jokes about Carol Frost, I think her whiny son is probably a decent football coach, if not a, uh, a, a somewhat lacking in personality individual. <laughs> They're um, and so I think Nebraska, I think Nebraska is going to be a rather rapid climber in terms of the overall structure of that division of the conference. They are climbing into Columbus. I do want to interject real quick. I was wrong. <laughs> Purdue has eight Big Ten championships. Okay, no, which is eight? one, oh. which is one more than the University of Chicago. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's why the sidelines are so good at all their since 1967. Was that the Bruce there you year? Go. That was 2000. I believe which it was. they split. I believe with it Northwest. was. And, and to this day, I will tell you that Travis Dorsch missed that field goal. Yes. If anybody can else remember that, oh, that was yeah. Travis Dorsch at that time of year. What an odd memory to have. 17-point lead, 18-point lead that we had with Henson. and uh, this, But there's no way that field goal was good. Do you remember the drive chart for the first half of that game was touchdown, 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 touchdown. And we ended up. Yes, yes. I think it was 28-10 yes. at half. Yeah. I, I honestly do. And I think we ended up, uh, quote, losing when Dorsch missed one wide right and they called it good. <laughs> ah, a Lloyd Carr game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes. I love you, Lloyd. So next week we will be back. We're going to dive into Penn State, talk about the rest of the uh, of the Big Ten schedule uh, a little bit. So, guys, any any closing thoughts? David, uh, it's just eight eight co- founding member of the Big Ten. <laughs> Put a little effort in Purdue. Come on, David. David is personally personally aggrieved by by Purdue's lack of success. Uh, I was I was very happy that this Michigan State game didn't turn into this year's version of that Iowa game where we're not going to have to yeah. look back and say, oh, if only we had beaten Iowa 
in that yes, case, yeah. you know, we'd be, uh, you know, we'd be sitting and, and going to the Big Ten championship game. That is not the case. This is a much different team. This team just feels different. Uh, and so I, I, I am, uh, like I said, where I'm, I'm looking forward to playing Clemson in the playoffs. I'm already looking ahead. <laughs> I um, couldn't be happier with where we are. Uh, given how the season started and given all of the outside noise and rhetoric uh, on records um, to go in and just manhandle a team that's kind of had our number uh, recently at at their place was phenomenal. And uh, I don't think that this is a staff or a team that's going to look past, um, you know, the one game at a time. And I cannot wait until Penn State comes into the big house and the uh, the atmosphere is going to be phenomenal. And I absolutely guarantee you there's not a single person on that football team, least of all Jim Harbaugh, who forgets what James Franklin tried to do at the end of that football game last year, running up the score, and uh, his, his bill is due, uh, you know, a week from Saturday. And I can't wait. It's going to be a blast. All right. We'll talk to you guys next week. Go Blue. <laughs> Go blue, go blue.